You're listening to The Damn Good Podcast with Edward Quirt, the go-to resource to help you navigate the murky waters of the new music business. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I feel I feel welcome. Yeah, and and you are welcome. You're very welcome to the podcast. <laughs> um so for those people who don't know you, just two sentences. Who you are, what you do, and uh, my name's Leo. That's it. That's it, yeah. Okay, that's a talk. Right okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my name's Lee Chapman. I work for a company called Sonoworks, which is based in Latvia, Europe. And in the company, um, I work in marketing, but I actually deal with all of the industry partners, such as artists, producers, uh, other software companies, hardware companies, etc. So pretty much spread out, spread out, and uh, yeah, communicating with everybody. Right. But you are based in Latvia right now as well, Absolutely, right? yeah. The whole company is here in Latvia. Um, I moved to Latvia around five five years ago. Um, not to start at Sonoworks, but um, <laughs> but I'm really glad right. that I ended up uh, working here. Uh, but There was one next question because you, you don't sound pretty Latvian. Yeah, I'm from the UK. I'm from near Manchester, so northwest of England. Why did you move though? Oh, well, I moved uh, for love. <laughs> Which, if you ask uh, any any foreign person uh, that that lives here, it's usually because of that. Either education or uh, love. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, did it work out well? I hope it did. Uh, no, it didn't. But, uh, <laughs> but actually, Latvia is a super great place. So, I stayed here, um, worked continuously. Um, it's really interesting, actually. You know, socially, culturally, uh, and also creatively as well. So I utilize my time pretty well as a as an artist out here. Right. It's a bit of it's a bit of you're in. You know, people liken it to Berlin in the '90s, where it's kind of like anything goes. And I very much feel like Riga, especially, is like like this. I I can do whatever I want artistically here. So I do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how's how's the whole scene there in uh, music is mm. speaking? Because it's super, it's like a niche country, you know. Yeah. It's in between Russia and and then all of the Europe, yeah. where when you take Berlin, it's like the place to be in Europe more or less. And then you got all of the other stuff. What is Latvia like? How it is? So, I don't there? I don't believe there is so much like commercially viable music out here, uh, which sometimes can get a little bit annoying because I I kind of really want to feel something huge. But at the same time, I love, like I said, that we can do anything here. You, you, people are mixing. You know, it, it's very cross-genre scene out here. Uh, I come from a very experimental music background, um, so I work with a lot of yeah, avant-garde and ambient, drone, noise, and things, and uh, as well as like punk. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you should come to Berlin because that's 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 what people are doing I know. here. A lot, a lot. Of. They they do, but you know it's a bit oversaturated. I think in Berlin. Uh, no offense to to. Yep. No, not at <laughs> but, all. I'm not in. The, I'm not involved in the scene. I ju- I just see it from the outside. Yeah, I, and and I see it from the outside as well. And I have thought, yeah, you know, maybe I should go to Berlin, and you know, but that's the thing. Is that because is this? It's not so commercial out here. You can't make money. From it, the, the the bars and the venues pay very little, um, right? But I use that to my advantage and do anything that I want. And you know, I had I had this punk band, and my bassist left to go and work for the BBC in London. And me and my drummer were like, "Well, we still want to do some music, so well, let's do some music." And then we invited a trumpet player from another band. We thought, "What the hell?" You know, let's just do that. And then yeah. we start playing some shows. We start just releasing. We we started releasing our um, uh, practice sessions, rehearsals, and you know live shows. Put them on Bandcamp, and some uh, small and new American label picked it up and decided, "Hey, that's cool! I'll release it." And I never thought that would be possible, you know, just to um, you know just to do anything, and it resonates somewhere else in the world. Uh, I think in Riga uh, and Latvia. Um, I mean, there are some that do think further afield, but I think just because like this small community here has no, it's not commercialized. There's there there isn't the thought of 
the bigger picture, thinking maybe we could play in Berlin for one night, maybe we could go to London, uh, maybe we could dominate that market. It, it doesn't really happen out here um, because the the impression that you get from the audience is that they don't care, and when you don't get that feedback that is positive, say hey, you could go go further afield, you know, you just you know your interest kind of just like drops off. Right. What are people listening to in Latvia? Oh, well, I think there's still a lot of of that you know, pop uh pop and EDM influence. I know that in, I know I know to a, a German I'm not allowed to say EDM. I <laughs> I you do like you can do whatever you okay. want because I think that's... I got some I got I got a, I got uh laid into because I said EDM to some people and it's like no, it's techno. Oh come on! <laughs> it, does that happen? Is that the feeling on the ground? Yeah, I mean Berlin is a little bit special because you got those original, like the, the OGs, the techno OGs from the nineties, yes. and they're a lot of they're pretty much snobby, if you know what I mean. I know, I know what you mean. El- elitist in, in that regard, like techno. And I, th- like, I think that they have their right like to the be snobby though, stuff. because it, yeah, absolutely, it, absolutely. And that I mean, I understand that they dislike the term EDM because it's like you you you're putting them on the same. In the same spot with like all of the mainstream dudes who jump in front of a CDJ, you know, like <laughs> David Guetta and, and those guys, whom I, I, I respect personally, Absolutely, but you, they don't want exactly. it. Exactly. You wouldn't want to call David Guetta like techno. They would, I mean, they wouldn't want it. So yeah, I think. Well, he doesn't do techno. He, he makes well, exactly music with, with electronic yeah. influences. So that I understand. So sure. we'll use the umbrella term electronic dance music. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so yeah. people it's, listen. Because it's not a genre. Because people confuse EDM with like calling calling any electronic genre just EDM, like, yeah. which is okay. Is is okay, but it's not it's it's not a genre that you produce. Like, what are you producing today? Um, <laughs> like yesterday I produced techno. Today I'm gonna produce EDM. Yeah. Like, what is EDM as a genre? Like, how do you define it? Exactly. I think it's the same with uh, rock music as well. Is that there has to be the the subgenres as well, or else you think, dude, there's so much rock from like soft, I don't know, ska and exactly, and, I don't know, baby rock to to whatever like hard post metal <laughs> and and yeah, I think it's super diverse as well. I I think uh, the rock uh, and musician industry is super dynamic and diverse. That's what's I mean. Everything is really exciting, but out here in Latvia, um, I th- I think the mainstream is is what you would hear um, out. Every, on the radio, everywhere, yeah, everywhere else on the radio, yeah. Um, but there are so when when people do start these bands and uh, and become you know solo musicians, because it's such a small community, they actually do make some really good resonances as well, and and they do and they right. do really well, and they get they get uh, listeners from from all places because you know finally there is this band that we can go and see, yeah. Well, the reason I'm asking is because I'm working. Well, I'm producing and mixing and mastering stuff online all over mm. the world. So I'm working with people from the US, from Europe. And right now I'm working with a couple of guys from Russia. Um, I was born in Kazakhstan originally. Mm. So that's my little background. I came over to Germany with, when I was probably nine or 10. Yeah. Um, I knew is, you knew Russian uh, oh. because I heard it on a previous podcast. <laughs> right, right. That, that's my background. And, and Kazakhstan, when I was born in 91, this is pretty much one year after after the UDSSR yeah. disbanded. But for the for the following seven to ten, even up to now, it's still a lot of a lot of remnants of, of that era of, of the former I UDSSR. I do agree. Um I think actually the more middle aged people also st- listen to a lot of uh, Schlager as well. Because there is a heavy like um still in Germany. Yeah. It's, it's it's a huge thing. Maybe not in Berlin, but down in Bavaria, people still listen a lot to that. Sure, music. and out in the countryside here as well, they 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 still do, and even the young people get involved as well. And I think it's su- have have you seen Oktoberfest? Everyone's dancing to Schlager. I, music. I think they don't like, care though because they're actually just drinking. <laughs> probably, <laughs> but they're also dressing up like, yeah, like Bavarians. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that. I've never been. I have friends that have been, and they they come back having. It's a huge. Yeah. Drink fest. That's it. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, as I said, it's quite interesting uh, musically and creatively out here. I don't think it's commercial, um, and the people that do get involved do a great job of you know sticking to their guns and, and right. having a really good go. There, there are a few bands that I really hope that uh, do make it out of here. 
um, that from from different places, from from different genres, and yeah, because Latvia historically, I don't know if you know much about um, the the so called singing revolution and things like this to do with the Soviet Union and the USSR and the the the, the breakup of that, but. Singing is very, very strong culturally here. Um, they have the song and dance festivals where there's like a choir of 70,000 people singing. There's more people in the choir than there are in the audience. <clears throat> yeah, it's insane. It's, when I first moved here, it was one of the first cultural things that I saw was this like weekend long uh, event. And these choirs form from different uh, villages from outside of Riga and also inside Riga as well. And for, the, for a number of years, they are practicing their parts and then they come together for this huge celebration. And it's so rich with, with singing about their land and um, they've got all the folk dancing and the costumes as well. It's a very, um, it's, a very it's, a it's a big time of, uh, uh, you know, to be patriotic. And this year as well, I mean, the Baltics are, are uh, celebrating uh, 100 years of... Um, um, of the, well, I guess I think, I think I think it's the independence. It's hundred years of basically the confirmation of of the of the country of Latvia. Before that, it was something else, and then a hundred years ago, and the same yeah. with Estonia and, and Lithuania as well. So, um, yeah, this year was a huge year actually for uh, for the nation. How did it celebrate? How did I celebrate? Yeah. How did you celebrate? How did the people celebrate? Because. Because I see the same thing comparing to Kazakhstan, you know. Um, before they were part, like before they were independent, they were a part of the USSR and everyone mm -hmm. was like unified. Afterwards, yeah. right now, they're, they're slowly um, integrating their like own uniqueness, the what makes them up to be like Kazakhs because that's usually Kazakh people, like they don't look like you and I. They look like more like Mongols and, and Chinese people a little bit. Um, and they're Muslims as well, if you take that. So they're like celebrating their own culture and then bringing that that up and um, celebrating their own. I think that's great, and and I've been really, I've been really impressed with uh, with Latvia because it has upheld the you know the song and dance festival for over a hundred years. It, I think historically it comes from uh, from Germany as well. I think in the in the late eighteen hundreds. Uh, so this this singing and dancing culture I think stems from there. And even through throughout the USSR, they were still allowed uh, to, um, to to hold these events that were happening. Um, yeah, so I think that's why uh, Latvians uh, and I think Baltic people in general are, are really patriotic to, the, to their nation because they have been able to upheld, uh, uphold uh, their traditions and their culture for over a hundred yeah. years, despite the, the the late and history. they should be. That's my opinion. They should be because Absolutely. if you compare Germany to that, with like Hitler on the, all the stuff happening, Germans are very much afraid of of celebrating anything that's remotely yeah. um, German and patriotic at all. Like you won't see because you will you will be labeled as a Nazi right away. Um, so there. Yeah, because when the World Cup was happening, um, I think it was the World Cup or maybe it was Euro. Um, I think it was one of the first times that I heard people holding uh, German flags outside their homes, you know, hanging from their windows, because before that you couldn't do such a thing. Yeah, if you do it right now, if I would hang a flag right outside of my window, I would be labeled as a Nazi probably. Ah, that's yeah. sad times. It is. I mean, coming from England and Britain, I find it fascinating because it made me question what is my heritage and especially in these times you know politically um especially with things happening between britain and the eu uh, well the uk and the eu you know people talk about british values and we need to claim them back and i'm thinking well what are what is our heritage what is our culture what are our values and I can't think of many good things that historically, uh, you know, and you know the language isn't uh, native. It's made up of everybody. Yeah. That's why it's uh, Anglo-Saxon. World, exactly. It's Germanic, Anglo-Saxon. There's Latin. There's Romantic languages. You know, we trashed the world. We built an empire. The slave trade and blah 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 blah. <laughs> so I'm like, and and a lot of these things, and a lot of the things that people come over from around the world to see, I think they're just old buildings 
that cost millions to like renovate every single year. Right. And the, I, you know, I think there's a lot more to see. And so whenever, you know, people thought I was a bit crazy to move to Latvia and well, I guess I, I was, <laughs> but when people ask me how it was, I tell people, or how it is, I tell people that they have to come over and experience this culture. Um, cause it is super rich. What do you like about and Latvia? Really, it's, it's, it's calm. Definitely. It's very small. Uh, it's, super cheap to travel around um you can travel like 400 kilometers for like six euros jesus and i could, I could probably I travel like right inside of berlin for, for six euros that that's that's like me going to to the city and going back that that's six euros yeah right well yeah so i, th I think it's um i think it's affordable for uh, for living, it's culturally rich. What about the people, though? Um, do you like the people? Do they have soul? Well, that's another thing. <laughs> I, I do. I love. I love my colleagues, and I like my. I love my friends. Of course, I don't know if you see this from the outside of Kazakhstan as well, but you know there is a social divide uh, amongst people, uh, uh, which sucks, and there isn't enough done to culturally integrate people. And um, I, I wish there was. I mean, it's not about me being integrated. <clears throat> I think it's pretty easy for me, maybe as an extrovert, to integrate myself. But I think just for the people that have been here for a very long time, um, it's it's very hard to to understand their their place and their position with all the with all the changes that have happened, like historically, historically and politically. Um, you know, like. So the, in the places that I socialize and go out, it's it's really great. But there are, of course, things that I, I notice, and I'm not. I, I don't feel too motivated, like public transport, for example. Yeah. Um, I don't like riding on the public transport because it just makes me feel a little bit like sad, <laughs> uh, which sucks. <clears throat> yeah. But but my friends, my colleagues, uh, all the people that I uh, work with and hang out with, they're incredible people. Um, and I and I've lived in Germany as well. I used to live in Konstanz and Bodensee. Nice. Um, yeah, that was about 10 years ago. And I also like spent some time in Oslo, Norway as well. And honestly, like, like I've stayed in Latvia the longest because it is, a, uh, for me, a better place. You know, just for me personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I found myself. Nice. Yeah. So that's where your soul yeah. belongs. Yeah, for now. <laughs> for now, at least. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. How did you, you know, how did she end up at Sonalworks though? You came, you came there... You came over five years ago and started doing music, right? You yeah. didn't come over for work at. at I well, I did. I came over for work. I, I would love to say that I'm, you know, a really famous musician, and you know, I came over here because Latvia needed a a, a yeah, British person yeah. to dominate the biggest charts, drone ambient artist. Exactly, exactly. Avant-garde headlining, headlining gigs. Exactly. Well. There has been some really amazing opportunities for me musically as well. And, and this goes back to this idea of being able to do a lot of creative stuff. There is a beautiful festival that happens here uh, called Ezodaskanias, uh, which means Sound on the Lake. And it's made by some uh, film directors. And, um, and, and the event happens at around 4 a.m. in the middle of the night. And they float a stage. Uh, people spend the night around this huge lake, and then at, when just before sunrise is happening, the music starts somewhere on this lake. It's a really huge lake, and people have to find it. And it's made of lighthouses. They've, they construct lighthouses and buildings that are floating, and everyone's like coming on these kayaks and stuff. So, in the second year that I was living here, I had the opportunity to perform here with a with a, a collective of musicians, uh, which was really incredible it was such a beautiful experience and that's happening this year as well um i think in september or so um it happens every year just, just for one night yeah it's it's a really big and beautiful thing um and yeah they opened up a national library as well and i was one of the first people to perform there because it was like another art festival happening and we played the friday that it actually opened so yeah i i opened up the national library with drone and ambient tape loops that's weird <laughs> kind of cool <laughs> yeah. yeah it's cool so musically i've i've you know i i integrated myself like pretty well but so how did i get to sonoworks um it's it's a it's a very it's a rapidly growing uh company and 
which is really exciting. And we're making a lot of resonances, uh, not only in Latvia, but in the world. Hopefully, they do. <laughs> you see that happening. And um, there was a there was a need uh, for somebody to do more community management. And I actually w- was working in another startup before, which was human resource orientated. And so I knew everybody in in HR <laughs> in the Baltics, which is a really great position to be in. Right. Because they knew me personally, that I was a musician and whatnot, and they also know that people are hiring. So I went for one, I I was told that I should go for one position. And well, I didn't go, um, I didn't actually get that position. Um, But the cool thing is, is that the guys that interviewed me uh, remembered me for another position and they offered that to me, which I was super grateful for. And uh, yeah, so I've I've been at Sonoworks for uh, just, yeah, a year now. Sweet. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, it's, uh, it's a great place. Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know what Sonarworks is, actually, explain like what what it does and how does it help? What Sonarworks does. Yeah, exactly. Well, like some, the application itself. So what we do, I could do it myself, but you're the man for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. So Sonarworks is a company. And what we believe in is um, increasing the quality of audio uh, around the world from the the pro audio industry that we are uh, that we are part of, all the way to consumers as well. Now the problem is that when we're in studios and studio to studio and room to room, uh, the sound is of course different because speaker positions, treatment and whatnot, um, or lack of treatment, etc. The room is a huge factor in the the frequency response, and the same for headphones as well. There is no set you know, standard for headphones. And when you get to the consumer level as well, no one really knows what they're buying. You don't get to experience it before you've actually purchased it and, and everything like this. So there is a huge translation issue from the, from the artist to the studio, to management, to labels, uh, and all the way to the consumer as well in all, in all its capacities. So what we do is we calibrate uh, studio speakers, monitors, and headphones and consumer uh, headphones as well uh, to the same sonic reference and remove that um, remove the coloration that you'll experience with hardware. Um, and the reasons why we do this, there's, there's a number of reasons. Firstly, for professionals such as uh, in the industry like you and I, uh, we want to make sure that you're able to mix more confidently and more efficiently as well. Because if you've got issues with your room, you're going to be fighting with that room and then you're going to go to your car listen back on some other headphones and it's not going to translate well and you'll go back and you'll you'll make a you'll you'll compensate for that you'll constantly fight this compensation battle and we also believe in a future where the the audience is also going to hear exactly as the artist intended yeah because the industry has been doing pretty well at uh, and has done really well at uh, the actual file itself you know we've gone from downloading really crappy like mp3 uh, files, rips. <laughs> yeah, rips. Oh gosh, uh, to being able to stream high quality audio, and we want that—not just uh, streaming music, but also visual, visually as well. We, no, we, we equate um, high quality visuals with high quality audio. Uh, so the file itself is is is. I think we I think we're pretty much there right, right now. Um, but the problem is the devices that we listen back on. So yeah, what we have is we have a product called Reference 4, which um, allows you to um, analyze your room and um, we correct for the imperfections that, are, that is, is perceived from the speakers. It's not that the speakers are the problem, um, but we, we are correcting the output of those speakers. Right. It's everything. There's a yeah. lot of, lot of factors that attenuate or like boost certain Absolutely. frequencies or like skew Yep. The, the your desk is going to be a problem. Everything. 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 Your body is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> the room, uh, yeah. the, the speakers themselves, whatever you listen to, the actual material, everything. Mm. And the interesting thing is, is like the way that technology is like gone uh, for the last, you know, 20, 30, and even beyond that, you know, digital technology has been, has been disrupting everything. But speakers and headphones have actually stayed the same. Right. Okay, DSP is now found in speakers and it's becoming more in headphones, but you know, it's not as the, the disruption hasn't been as fast as say TV or mobile communication 
virtual reality and, and things like this. So we're at a really interesting point in, I think, in the industry where the, the audio is ready to be disrupted. And, we're, and I believe, and we believe that we're at the, uh, the forefront of that. Yeah, I haven't seen a single company that does what you do. Maybe, yeah. maybe I've seen one Russian company mm-hmm. that does it, but I haven't tried a product yet. They do something similar. I forgot the name, but they're like small company. They still do, and the, the VST itself, the plugin looks very rudimentary, like, like an early Reaper um, <laughs> VST. It's not as, yeah. as user-friendly, but I haven't seen that- anyone doing that. That's yeah. That's the thing. Uh, we there are other companies on the in, on the market that will do speakers or headphones, but we're the only ones on the market that are able to produce the same uh, frequency response on speakers and headphones. Right. Um, so for and, excuse me, if for everyone who's listening who still doesn't understand what it does, it's basically what I do personally. Um, I have my headphones, the Biodynamics Seven Seventy DT um, Two Fifty Um. What I do when I mix a track, I'll place the Sonarworks VST at the la- as the last chain and and my mastering chain, the so last plugin, and I turn it on. What it basically does, it applies a corrected EQ curve um, to my to even out the coloration that my headphones naturally have. So basically, the the response is as flat as possible. It will never be one hundred percent flat, but as flat as possible, and then. I'll be able to do better mixing decisions so the audio translates well across different systems in the end. Uh, and not only that, just because I'm, I'm listening to a more or less flat, flatter response, I can do better mixing decisions so the track itself sounds better um, mixed. Um, what I don't like overall is, is when I turn it on, everything sounds like ass basically to me. I turn it on and everything <laughs> becomes flat, literally, because it is. And then yeah. and that's like the minor setback for me is like I listen to everything and it sounds like it's not as fun when I'm when I'm working on something because I want I want to have that excitement, that sizzle. But but this is this is more more like of a feeling. But over time you get used to what you hear and, yeah. and your hearing adapts as well. Like you, it, it adapts very fast and, and you actually get used to whatever you hear to that flat frequency response. And then you are able to make better mixing decisions. And once you turn it off in the end and listen to, not in the end, but like you should turn it off and on once in a while just to compare. But I found myself doing way less revisions, way less like car tests than Alexa tests. Um, It translates way better. Um, and and that's the point. That's uh, it, it's not like a super sexy reverb or it's delay. It's not or, sexy at all. It, it, it's like it's, it's like exposing it, the 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 naked truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that's and so when you do when you do switch it on, you're thinking, what the heck has happened to to what I you know what I've already done? It sound it does like you say sound like ass. Yeah. Well, excuse uh, because, my my French, but that, that that's what I felt the first your French time. Is, yeah. Your French is great. Pardon my French. But that's what I thought like sure. the first time I, I like I tried I bought it one one year ago, not a long ago, and I tried it on a mix. I turned it on and it's like, this is it? Like this is the plugin I've been hearing everyone raving about. This is what it is. But then I, I read into it, I watched some tutorials, I started mixing, and yeah. I mean, you need time to get used to it because it-, it That's the thing. Yeah. You have to trust it. You have to trust that target curve. Uh, so just if people like turn it on and think, what the heck is this? You know, you're right, you're right to question it, but just work towards it and then see how well that mix translates in your normal flow. Do the car test, do your Alexa, listen on your iPhone or whatever and your earpods and beat pros and whatever. Like do that whole thing and see how many re- revisions you are making. And Way less. That's the thing. Way less. Way less. And that's the whole point of it. It is, it is uh, productivity. Yeah. Uh, Anything utility. that saves me time and, and, and makes me more efficient, that's, that's more money in the end in the first place. And that's a, an overall better experience um, for sure. the client as well. Exactly. And can you imagine if your clients actually had the same reference points as you as well? Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, well, they can do that with, uh, with, our, with our products. So yeah, we, we, see, we see 
this is our vision, is that from you as a producer and as an engineer, your clients will be able to hear exactly as you hear it. The management and the labels will appreciate you more and give you more clientele because you're able to work at a much quicker rate and satisfy the artist's vision. And, you know, through that whole chain. Right. Yeah. yeah. You explained it beautifully. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. You put it right on the end of your master chain. I mean, if you're tracking, that's important, but we do have a system-wide output as well. Yeah, that's, so that's, you can that's actually... one thing I haven't been using just because I didn't have the studio module, which I do have right now. And now it makes sense mm -hmm. to use the... Um, For when you're watching Netflix or something. Yeah, so just get used <laughs> to everything straight through the system-wide. And how, mu how much... Yeah. Go on, you go. <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, now it makes sense just because now I don't need to... Now it's way easier. Now now I can do it on a global level. I don't need to use the plugin anymore. Exactly. More or less. Yeah, if you're, tra if you're tracking, you'll need to use the plugin. You wouldn't be able to do MIDI input because... Yeah. You well, know, the, I don't track a lot. So. Okay, then, yeah. then you're great. Then you're, then you're fine. Then use the system-wide, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah, so the system-wide is also great if you're referencing as well uh, from Spotify or Tidal, Apple Music, or even just watching Yeah, Netflix it's awesome. Like, YouTube. this is... Damn, like that, that you guys made this. <laughs> I mean, it, it is like, if you look at this, okay, system-wide, what is this? It, it's on a global level. So every, it, it's like an audio card and everything that, get, yeah. that passes through, through that gets corrected. But then everything gets corrected, which means you don't need to use the plugin. You can switch between headphone and, and monitor module without clicking. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the latency though, but it should be almost zero latency as far as I... Or it, it uses your system buffer, so it can be zero latency. Uh, it it does. The filters are zero latency, but there is uh, inherited latency because it is a, yeah. an audio driver. But we are right. uh, working towards a zero latency centric yeah. system. -wide, Although zero latency in an audio is almost impossible. Like, yes, yeah. true zero latency is is like it's not even possible in in a digital domain. Well, we're, we're working towards. Um, I guess you could say killing the plugin. <laughs> um, I don't know. We 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 want to work towards you know a, just a global product, like centralized product. Uh, that um, yeah. So yeah. it's like one stop hub for everything. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. I've seen what's the TrueFi thing that I've seen on a website because I haven't yeah. visited the site for a long time, and then I saw this sure. TrueFi uh, module. So, so TrueFi is sort of like the consumer-facing product. Um, so there's less bells and whistles uh, that will that you would need. There's no plugin. It is just the assist. It is a system-wide uh, product. But we also released the mobile uh, version of this as well um, in December. So TrueFi is sort of like the consumer-facing product, and Reference Four is the pro audio. Uh, music industry facing facing product. Um, so with with TrueFi, you can't do speaker measurements, for example. Um, in the there, there are big plans for both products. Um, I don't know how much I can actually say today, but there are huge huge plans in both. Right. Uh, what both, can you uh, say though? What's markets. like the future? What What did you guys plan? Well, like I said, we want to see this uh, this technology implemented everywhere, and and that is going to happen, which is the most exciting thing. So, we will still keep our own um, product family. But we see the future more in licensing. So everywhere, hardware, software, hopefully automobile, auto automobiles and, and um, places like this. We want to really, really destroy the translation issue. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, it's going to happen. Huge, pla like, huge plans. <laughs> yeah, huge plans. We're and yeah, they're super exciting. I mean, we, you know, when... Pro Tools first came about, people were like, no, we can't, you can't use Pro Tools. You have to use analog tape. Right. And uh, there was, you know, for years, there was people arguing back and forward about, about this. And maybe people still do. Uh, but, uh, you, but, you know, like what uh, Pro Tools did was held a way forward to digitally uh, record. And now we've got doors, DAWs, like, you know, coming out all the time and really exciting features for yeah. every different application. So we see it in the same vein. Yeah, innovation takes time. Once people get a hold of it, how much easier their lives will be. And then it's just just a matter of time until exactly. everyone's adopting and, it. 
and you know, we, we say this quite honestly, you know, whether it whether or not it's sonar works, this is the future because DSP is found in um speakers and headphones coming out, you know, all the time yeah. now. Um so well, I've seen the general the new Genelec um yeah, monitors. The, they the, do the, have like this room adaption feature where you just turn the knob and then it adapts to to whatever mm -hmm. room it's it's in. So it's kind of similar. They're already doing it. Absolutely. And IK Multimedia just uh, launched a product uh, product similar for, for their own speakers as well. These uh, iLoud, iLouds, MTMs, I think they're right. called. Didn't they have like this ARC module, mm -hmm. which is like similar to Sonoworks with a microphone? Yeah. So it works in the same way as, I believe, the same way as the Genelex as well. You have their microphone and you do, with, I don't know too much, maybe it's a one-point measurement, uh, whereas we do 30... Seven yeah. measurements now, um, which is which is which is fun. Hopefully, you find it fun to to play this yeah. uh, fun run around the room. Yeah, thing. and then sweep, do sign sweeps, do sign sweeps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking forward um, to it. So this is the thing: is that this is the future, uh, which is really exciting. So yeah, we 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 just announced a partnership with Adam Audio as well. Nice. Um, I do use Adams, by the way. The A7X. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And they've been amazing. They've been amazing. They're super warm, welcoming. We, they've been an amazing company to work with so far. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be announcing things in the near future, exactly how this technology will be impl implemented in, into uh, Adams' product range, which is a very exciting future for us. Sweet. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah. if I might ask, what's the what's the main technology behind Sonoworks? Like what what's how is it working on like a, under the hood? This is where I probably can't say too much because a lot of it is IP. Right. But is there uh, like because one could say like, okay, it's just as simple as applying a negative EQ curve like linear phase to to even out the frequency response, which it is on a larger scale, but there's more. Yeah. Yeah, there is a, there is a lot that is happening. There's a lot to take into consideration uh, when we are measuring either headphones uh, and when we're analyzing rooms as well. There's so much to take into consideration, um, you know, left and right. So and you know, uh, delay, t reverb time, decay times, and a lot of these things. Now we do we actually do have an R and D department in the company. We're actually I think around fifty people in this company now. Nice. Yeah, so we actually have like quite big, large teams that are continuously yeah, working. Yeah, I just interviewed the the CEO of Acoustica Audio last week, yeah. two weeks ago, um, Giancarlo, and they, as far as I remember, they have around twenty people in the company. Um, so mm. you're double the size. Yeah, and we are um, uh, hoping to double that workforce by the end of the year by double again. It's just crazy. That's 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 serious <laughs> growth. Yeah, it is. It's exciting because, as as I said, licensing is um, is a is a huge driver for us in terms of growth. Right. Uh, but also, I think our brand recognition is is we're feeling like it's getting to a critical mass. Um, but I guess I'll get back to your question in a second. But um, I, I guess one of the biggest things is people don't know how to approach our product right off the bat because. Do they what microphone do they need to get? How long does it take? So there's a lot of things that we yeah. uh, that we. Uh, but that's on the company. That's that's how and and what that's on the company to communicate to the customer on how to use your products. Absolutely. So we're doing a lot of uh, we're doing a lot of things at the moment to sort of re-message, re-communicate, rebrand ourselves. Right. Actually. Yeah, because um, everyone every time I, I hear someone say like it's not not you but just someone on Facebook say he or she doesn't get me or they don't get me it's like well the communication's on you for them to understand you if you understand it pro uh, if you communicate it properly they will understand you and that's what it is in in day-to-day -day life and the marketing as well um yeah. that's what that was a problem with acoustica because a lot of people the plugins are great like they sound it's one of the some of the best sounding plugins out there but the communication from the company's end is a little bit a, a lot a lot of gates to open until you get to the good stuff. Uh, now they're simplifying it with, with what I do, and now it's way easier for the customer to to get to the good stuff. And now we're seeing the success. I think so too. I, I think for us it's the same as well. We're we're constantly learning, and uh, we we 
we have a we have a few company values, and one of them is learn and experiment. And you know, especially in this really dynamic market, which is a huge market that is constantly changing with innovation, right? With new products, with new uh, workflows, and whatnot. Um, and just as individuals needing to get a job done anyway, you know, we we there isn't one size that fits all, and you know, there may be people that understand things to do with rooms and frequency response. And then there are those that don't. There are those that just want to plug in and play um, their guitar or their MIDI controller and just sequence. They don't really maybe not care about how it sounds. They just want to be more creative. And so we have to find this, this middle ground of being able to show people um, problems that they have, how easy it is to, to be creative and how easy it is to implement the technology as well. Right. But then the, so, the, yeah. the problem you're facing is long-term is losing the original pro customers who, who relied on, on, the, on the pro side of the, of the product. And then as, as the time goes on and you simplify your product and quote-unquote dumb it down to appeal to, to the masses, it's like the same <laughs> happening, stuff happening with like Logic where, and then Final Cut where it was simplified over time and it didn't appeal to, to the pro market anymore. Uh, but more like um, regular. It's like the Instagram consumers. rather than Facebook. Uh, not Facebook. Gosh, what did I say? It's uh, uh, Instagram filters rather than Photoshop. Right. Yeah, I guess. Well, the good thing is, is like with the pro audio community, it spreads like wildfire. I get messages all the time from uh, artists introducing me to other artists and studios introducing to other studios. It's it's great. That's been a a real big driver for us is that the people that believe that that actually get into our product really believe in it. It's um, yeah, I'm one of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is super nice. I know that you've uh, that you've really helped us, and I mean, it's super nice that I'm um, on this podcast as well because we want to um, help um, our clients as well. We want to, you know, like you customers. You know, it's super nice that we can that we can chat as you know. As just as people and help you grow your podcast as, as much as you help us grow our company. Yeah, that's that's the new new way of doing things in terms of marketing. That's always win win, and if everyone is benefiting from it, so everyone's happy. Absolutely, word of mouth is a really powerful thing. Is a really powerful thing. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said about the technology, right? Um, and, and things that are happening under the hood. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that I probably uh, either either can't say because maybe I, I'm probably not the best technical person to say it. Uh, and also because a lot of the things are intellectual property. Well, say as much um, as you can. Say I just, as much as I can. I always want to, to squeeze out a little bit more juicy stuff out of the... I know you do. And I, I know every, every, everybody does. Uh, and I totally get it. I mean, I, I it's... Cool. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. For me in the first place, because I'm I'm super into it and super ner I, nerdy. I, I will and, um, I will lose my job so you can grow your podcast. No. <laughs> uh, nice sacrifices. <laughs> so, sorry. Yeah. That's a nice deal. That's a nice deal. <laughs> um. Well, we have to take a lot into consideration, um, and we also need to be. Uh, consistent and accurate across the entire uh, frequency um, spectrum. So we we don't want to, you know, we don't want to compensate the accuracy in the base region in in terms uh, in exchange for CPU power, which. So there's a lot of processing processing that is happening. Uh, that ensures the accuracy. And one of those is that we, we do actually have to have a lot more uh, processing power uh, behind the, the plugin in the system wide in order to maintain and you know, um, maintain the, the, the accuracy of this. Because we not only believe in making it sound better, um, we actually want to be the most accurate and consistent and user-friendly product that is to to achieve this standard of 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 um, frequency response quality and this this flat response, so yeah, we we have um, I guess um, 
yeah, that's one thing that people actually question. Like, why is the CPU, you know, power actually quite high? Right. But it is because we 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 have to maintain efficiency integrity. has its costs. Absolutely. Which is CPU. Yeah. There there are talks about. Oh, mate, I don't know. <laughs> you can just squeeze so much out of me. There are talks um, about um, making versions that would be less CPU intensive. Um, but yeah, we're in a bit of, it's a bit of a, an existential thing, you know. We, have, we want to become a standard and we want to have this quality assurance. Right. If we neglect anything, you know, from a single point measurement, that can affect, you know, if we if we reduce the number of, you know, measurement points, we've actually increased them from, I think it's 24 to now 37. If we actually decrease them to, say, five or seven, which I think is what um, Arc has, can, can we say that uh, we have a great product just for the sake of less power? I mean, I don't, I don't, we have very high standards for ourselves. Right. I, I don't and think why, we can why should you? For that. Like the way when I talk to Giancarlo again, I, I asked him, like, because people always complain about the CPU efficiency of acoustical plugins because they're, they're one of the best plugins, again, but the CPU load is very high. And he said, we optimize as much as we can, but we will never do it mm. at the cost of, of the quality. Quality. Never. Absolutely. He said, like, Computers and like CPUs are becoming better every single day. And that's not the question anymore, at least not right now, not in one year or two years. So they will do it more user-friendly and more and even better quality-wise, but never reduce the actual quality at the sake of, of efficiency. Um, of course, it doesn't apply to maybe your product or any other plugin it applies to 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 acoustical plugins but i find it a very oh, well, very good i definitely i definitely agree and i think we're of the same mind and it's true that pc computers are um, are increasing in their quality and i think that it's great that the demand in the industry whether it is broadcast whether it is um, film audio gaming and whatnot there is this push from below from the other technologies to say, okay, hey, look, manufacturers, uh, we have we have to raise the bar another level, and yeah, definitely, definitely uh, see how that fits right. with with our. So to answer your question, well. it, it's it's not a great product anymore if you reduce the quality, and if you have the Absolutely. standard in the first place, it, it's like a copy or a parody of, of a good product, just to make it CPU efficient, just to make it CPU efficient, exactly. Um, so yeah, there, there's. There's a lot that there is a lot that's happening under the hood, and but the easiest thing to say is that it is you know an equalizer because that's what we're doing. We're compensating uh, through an EQ, but the uh, analysis behind it all is is super in depth, and it's actually around seven, six or seven years of of research and con continue continues daily. Um, yeah, we we launched the four point one last May or June, June I think it was uh, but we're con continuing to, to 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 drive the the accuracy and the, the consistency and the easeability as well um, uh, yeah and there, there there are things in the in the in the pipeline as well so right um, a lot of people you know a lot of the top pro audio studios that we go to and I think a lot of the people that are in bedrooms as well would love to see a hardware controller um, so there is, there is um, a bit of... Hmm, that's interesting because I've seen an increase in, in hardware controls, like dedicated hardware for software products. I use the SoftTube console a lot. I love it. I've seen this TC um, guys doing the reverb control, um, which is like a yeah. dedicated MIDI controller for, for the reverb plugin, which is kind of when you think, think of it in the first place, like why the fuck would you need like a MIDI controller for, for a plugin? But then the user experience, just the, the the ease and usability, makes up for it. Like I love the SoftTube console and the way it works. If you look at it, if you look at, at it like that, it's just a a piece of plastic that controls a MIDI plugin in in your DAW. Mm. But then when you actually use it, it adds 
so much to your overall workflow and efficiency that it's it makes up for it. And I'm happy to use it over like a large SSL board and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I, th I think that as uh, as we use a lot more digital technology, um, we want to use our hands more. You know, we want to, we, I, I, I actually often think about, you know, the technology that's coming out is automating a lot of things, but I think it makes us realize and question what it actually means to be human and uh, what are our expertise um, and, our, and our competencies as, as humans. And touch, touch is a, a very important sense. And yeah, having hardware controllers, I mean, you wouldn't use like some, a push two or, you know, MK three from native instruments. If, you, if it didn't feel good. Right. And if it didn't make you feel that you were actually being productive and efficient as well, you could just key in every single thing with a click of a yeah, mouse. Well, it's also the missing link in between, in between what you do and what you see on the screen, because we went from working on large consoles, moving faders to just clicking a mouse on on a door in a window, and then there's like this missing link in between. What what do you do with your hands? Like you have this, you go from from haptic and listening to just super visual, and everything's on screen, and it it, it feels a little bit unnatural. So the the progression I see, and with things like Raven from Slate coming out, this is mm -hmm. like for me the. The, the modular approach to it, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, was, I, I wanted to mention actually the Raven as well. Uh, it, it's really, it's, it's, I think it's amazing that the, a lot of technology that is coming about is actually about the human experience. Um, it is, and, and that's, what, that's kind of like what I meant about, you know, bringing out this humanity, this physical touch, you know, these senses. And, and what the Raven's doing is it's a, it's a digital product, but you know, it's, it's hardware controlled. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it actually just, you know, the hardware is actually making things more efficient for us as, um, as, as humans. Um, yet the digital is where all the processing happens. Right. So what about AR? Have what you, about augmented you, reality? Yeah. Have you thought about like, what's the future, not only for SonarWorks, for, for you mm. personally, for me, because everyone's raving about AR and, and AI and whatnot, like artificial intelligence combined with, um, like yeah. augmented reality and stuff like that and virtual re okay. reality. So have you thought think, about this? Because right now where I stand, I use the Oculus Rift and it's awesome. But for me, I don't see, I don't see it being applied to music right now, at least, um, at least not efficiently. When I spoke again to Giancarlo, he said like the, the profession of, of the music producer or like the, the mixing machine will die as it is right now in 10, 15, 20 years. Um, when VR and AR and AI combined will like take its place and then it will be composed for you. And it will move to more like to a more consumer day-to-day -day, um, thing and will be less specialized and professional as, as, as I do it. I think um, people have questioned, so it's a super interesting question. I think from a Sonoworks point of view, people thought, oh, you're going to kill the acoustician and room acoustics. And, that, and that's not the case. There are things that Absolutely. DSP can't. There are, yeah, there are things that DSP can't, uh, that, that can't change um, in the acoustic domain. And also, okay, we will change things in the frequency response, but for acousticians, they have expertise that are, that are even more relevant. Um, and yeah, we, we want to partner more with acousticians uh, with acoustic treatment companies as well and things like that. Um, so I, I do get that there is maybe a fear um, that that uh, all of this technology is going to uh, affect professions, but I actually think it just challenges us to be more precise in our in our profession and in our expertise. So for the mastering engineer that's that uh, that thinks well, I, actually for mastering engineers, I think that they don't they're not too worried about you know the the online platforms um, at the moment. What I think about these online platforms is that it does raise the bar um, and it also allows people that are starting out to, to see the benchmark of what they couldn't even do themselves. And, you know, because we're able to be educated in anything that we want today, all of that is feasible. So to answer you the question about AR, 
One thing that uh, was quite interesting that came out of CES in Vegas uh, this year was that, you know, because car manufacturers are going, you know, they're automated drivers these days, the in-car experience is only going to increase because now we have to entertain people. And you're using an Oculus Rift. Um, but imagine like if you're, you know, you, you're going to go down to Bavaria to Oktoberfest, right? And you, you've just keyed in the location and you're fully comp uh, c confident that your, uh, that your car is going to drive you there safely. Now, what are you going to do for a number of hours, you know, whilst you drive down there? anything. So what car manufacturers are doing is is they need they need to now sell why their car experience is better. Not just about getting them from A to B. It's not about A to B anymore. Yeah, it's, it's not about driving anymore. It's about the experience. Yeah, yeah it's not about it's not yeah. about the destination. It's about the journey. And so there there were talks. <laughs> to answer your where, question, I would probably sleep because <laughs> I don't get as as as, as near as, as much sleep as I need to. That's what I would do. I would hey, sleep for six hours straight. Then it, we just become sl yeah sleeping pods, just drive from A to B. That's great. I love that idea. But what's going to happen is that you know these Oculus Rifts and whatever HTCs are going to be found in these cars, and and you'll be able to look around and your in-car journey rather than looking at the beautiful landscape of um, of Germany, uh, you might be able to like experience Jurassic Park, <laughs> and and because it knows because it knows where it's going and also you know it, it's got the A to B it knows what's coming up ahead it can actually render environments before you've even got there and you know it's also looking from the outside as well it's the sensors and cameras on the outside and what if all, what if all those were picking up uh, different objects and buildings that it can actually render in real time to to affect your experience. Which is crazy to think about. And, it is. Uh, it is. But it, but I I think the technology is actually there for that to happen. You can render high quality visuals and audio in real time, and yeah, you just need to combine it and apply it. And somebody needs to implement it and then fail hard. <laughs> That's the yeah. problem. So is everyone that somebody... else is like, okay, now we can do it. Yeah, exactly. Somebody needs to be the one that fails. Uh, with all of this technology, but they need to they they need to be maybe it's Tesla. They they yeah. love failing. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Mr. Elon. Musk. Yeah, if you're listening, Musk, uh, <laughs> yeah. please do it. You got the money. I know. <laughs> exactly. If he's if he's sending off his car into space, I think he can. <laughs> this is crazy. I think he can. Uh, I think he could create a, a better experience for his car than just send, sending it into into a vacuum. Yeah. But again, just the thought of going, like, sitting into your car and just itself driving to whatever destination you need, and you don't need to do anything. This is already <laughs> like the future. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, oh, it's it's the present. Yeah, uh, not for <laughs> me. Not for <laughs> not my not reality for now. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Not maybe yet. in the next yeah. five years. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Well, the cost will come down, and your salary will hopefully increase. And <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was going to also say that um, in terms of using the Oculus Rift and the audio uh, audio industry, I'm just waiting you... on on Oculus Rift and, and Ableton Live inside, and then you just not only Ableton Live, but then having virtual synthesizers, and you just stand up and go to your Juno, to your piano, and just sit down and play virtually with haptic feedback, obviously, so it feels realistic. But then you have all of the instruments you want all of your contact libraries, but then accessible in 3D um, virtually. So you just need... It, would, it wouldn't like, surprise me. Yeah, here's my, here's my studio and then just an empty room with an Oculus Rift inside, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. Picks up my studio today. <laughs> There's just an Oculus Rift and just put it on and then whatever you wish, you just build your studio You know, virtually. like, I, I actually have thought about how through like augmented reality, you can build a studio and you could actually through like technology, maybe like Waves NX or Good Hertz can opener with, with the with speaker crossfeed, um, that if, if you could analyze the room that you are in um, and then implement it with the headphone technology, you could actually like start to place speakers in rooms and listen to how it sounds as you're walking around. Virtually. Yeah. 
that that's something that I have thought about and I think would be super cool to see. Yeah, someone's going to do it, for sure. Maybe Sonoworks. Maybe, maybe Sonoworks, maybe. Well, we can talk about it right now. Well, we can talk about that because... Uh, <laughs> Because we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> no, but but I have thought of this. I mean, we have some crazy, wacky ideas. Uh, these things come across like daily. These ideas because it, yeah, it is someone, there. Hey guys, how about we do this? <laughs> you know, all these headphones have uh, Waves and X implemented these days because they're tackling the gaming industry, and it's for the immer- you know the immersive experience and augmented right. reality experience and. You're moving your head, and it's tr- and yeah, I, I also, yeah, at um, Nam this year, I went to the Sennheiser Neumann um, booth, huge booth. It was amazing, and I sh- showcased this. Uh, well, I, I tested out this augmented reality head. It was a, just a headset, but the technology was basically for creating DVDs uh, that, from mono inputs, you could actually like accurately place them. Um, in the space. So if you if you've got your Oculus Rift on, and uh, right in front of you is like a bassist, you can take a mono uh, feed that you've recorded somewhere else and place it on that bassist. But then you're going to turn around with your head, and you have stringed instruments, and you place that mono um, uh, sample on those stringed instruments. Now that's going to sound terrible if you've just got these mono inputs. That have no relation to each other, but what they uh, what this technology was doing was actually being able to create a uh, augment, uh, that uh, an immersive audio experience where they actually do bleed and feed into each other um, to make it so so on point and realistic and 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 as if it was like a binaural recording, which is crazy. I can't remember what the technology was called, <laughs> but um, it, I do think Sennheiser is partnering with a, with I think three companies to do this. So this this matters for like post production and broadcast, um, for the home experience in in the future, but also just for the product for for just being productive in in the in the audio industry. Sweet. So super interesting uh, yeah. times indeed. Lots and lots of stuff coming up. I'm what do you w- want? What do you want to see? Well, or here? as I said, like I, I would like to see Knuckles Rift. put it on with Ableton, Ableton Live, or any other. You want your Juno like, there? Yeah, and I want my Juno and my my virtual studio there and augment it to whatever I have right now already and just have it like on top visually. That's kind of cool. Although I am myself like kind of like an old school guy, like piano and just notes and then going to Ableton. Um, But I still like, I was reluctant to use tech, um, like even Sonarworks and stuff like Oak Sound Mm -hmm. Soothe, which is like a dynamic resonance EQ um, with a little bit of AI behind. Um, uh, which which, mach- plug- sorry, which, uh, which um, plugin was this? Soothe by Oak Sound. Oh yeah, Oak Sound. Yeah. Those are great this, guys. Yeah, great plugin. But I was like, why? What would I use it? But then when you put it on and analyze the stuff in real time and applies the dynamic EQ curve and notches out resonance, I'm like, what's kind of that's cool? Right. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using it. What's kind of cool was that at Nam, um, we're quite close. These companies, Oak Sound, I think Sound Theory is another one. They have that Gulfos EQ. Yeah. Um, and then Sonoworks. And it's kind of interesting because the, the floor of NAM in the pro audio environment really felt like people saw us as a new wave of uh, DSP technology. You know, it was quite interesting. So, yeah. And it is because in- nobody else is doing that what you do. Yeah, so we, we we thought of a of coming up with a grand master plan and how we can all work together and just, just trash it all. So we went out for uh, a meal together. They're super great guys. If if nobody if nobody else knows about OX Sound or Sound Theory, I would also definitely check those two the, those products out as well. Look at the well, the products from those two companies. Yeah, the Spiff, Spiff and, and Soothe, yeah. amazing. All yeah, right, super, super nice guys. Yeah, we, oh, <laughs> time's up. Yeah, we're that. over an hour already. So. I think that's that's a, that's a good point to stop here. And man, that was a pleasure. Yeah, and you too. I'm I'm super happy that we've done this. Uh, the podcast sounds amazing already, and I'm super glad that we can get you know in on the start of this before we have to start sponsoring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, sponsored by Sonoworks. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> but how about how about we do something for our listeners? We, we let's do that. Let's do something for our listeners. What do you have to offer? Well, what's um, possible. 
like an extra discount or do a giveaway maybe? Let's do a giveaway. Nice. Let's do, absolutely, let's do a giveaway. There's two things that we can do. Uh, we're about to announce, uh, when's this podcast going up, by the way? Whenever we plan it in, um, but should be actually either next week, the Monday, or the one after. Okay, um, let's, then let's do a giveaway. Let, so we have a Reference 4 Studio Edition, and we also have a pre-calibrated Sennheiser 650s. As you may know, Sennheiser 650, HD 650s are incredibly flat, incredibly yeah. well used in the industry. Um, brilliant headphones and we individually calibrate them as well to ensure like a as precise flat sound as possible so we actually have a bundle a premium bundle is what we call it and I'd love to give that away to your listeners amazing I'm jealous of my listeners so uh, you have to you have to <laughs> you have to yeah, you have to decide what they have to do though yeah we'll figure it out afterwards for sure we, we do something nice so um, let's do that We'll figure it out for sure. But thanks a lot for, for the offer. I'll take it on. And I'm pretty sure everyone will be happy to to take part in, in the giveaway and try try to take out for themselves. Even if you don't win, go to the website, sonarworks.com, download the demo. And if you have any of the recent, I don't know, 160, how many are those? Is it um, over 200 headphones two, now? Yeah, over 200 actually headphones like, Sennheisers, Audio Technica, Biodynamics, whatever. Just use the profile, use the demo. It's thirty days, as far as I know, for free, and yeah. see if it works for yourself. And the studio, and actually, the headphone um, module itself is not even that expensive. That's right. Yeah, that's just ninety nine uh, ninety nine euros. But yeah, what I was going to say with the studio edition as well is that one problem that people think they have to get the microphone. Now you can use whatever microphone you've got, and you might get somewhere in the ballpark. So if you've got like a an omnidirectional microphone, use that. Just see what happens with the room. And then you can you can upgrade by just spe spending like $70, 70 yeah. euros on a... 60. Yes, yeah, there 60. you go. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some yeah, postage as well. Right, it's 60 uh, euros. If, if I go to the store, it's 60, 60 euros. Yeah, so in the store, yeah. So, and then you can just upgrade that to, to the... So we individually calibrate them as well. So we can be sure of the accuracy. But, you know, give it a go with whatever microphone you've got and, you know, and what, whatever headphone you've got as well. Whatever headphones you've got as well. Yeah, looking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks very much. Dude, been a pleasure. And wish you a nice week and all the best to Sonworks. Thank you guys. very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, friends. Edward here. And if you want to enter the giveaway, and I suggest you do, Click the link in the description to this episode or visit my Instagram or Facebook. It's both at Edward Court. And I wish everyone much luck in the giveaway and I'll catch you next episode. Bye.